Welcome to the Wildscast. Our guest is Ina Vernikoff. Raised in Brooklyn, Ina is a small business owner and a practicing lawyer. Ina grew up as one of three children in a family of Ukrainian immigrants, being taught the values of integrity and hard work by her mother, a bookkeeper, and her father, a businessman. Faced with the persistent failure of government and local issues and local communities, Ina began getting involved in politics and government. Ina joined the campaign of former Senator David Storobin, was special assistant to former Assemblyman Dalvikin, and spent her time registering voters on the street with the United Jewish Voters Alliance while simultaneously running her business. Rabbi Wilds and her had a great conversation. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Okay, we are recording. <clears throat> want to welcome everyone to the podcast. And I also want to welcome my friends on Instagram. Uh, I have the opportunity to interview an incredible leader, really, in the Jewish community and in the broader community. Ina Vernikoff was a New York City councilwoman in Brooklyn, representing areas of Brooklyn now that um, contain many Ukrainian immigrants. Uh, Ina herself is from the Ukraine. She grew up in Brooklyn as one of three children in a family of Ukrainian immigrants. And she's a small business owner and a practicing lawyer. She's also a board member and a women's committee chair for Americans Against Anti-Semitism and a chair at the Legion of Self-Defense. She was nominated for um, Jewish Week's 36 Under 36 Award, has gotten a lot of other awards and acknowledgements. I want to get right into it because we're in a crisis moment right now. I thank you so much for giving us of your time, Ina. Tell us briefly about your background, when you came to the United States from the Ukraine, and tell us what you're doing now and how you and so many other Ukrainian constituents living in the United States are feeling right now. Thanks so much for having me, Rabbi Wilds. Um, sure, I came to the United States when I was 12 years old from the former Soviet Union. That was Ukraine uh, by the time I came here. Um, I had my own law practice for about eight years. And uh, seeing what was going on in our country, in our city, I decided to enter a public office um, to make a change, to make a difference. Um, all those uh, titles you just mentioned, I've relinquished because um, I you know, can't hold them right now. Um, and I've uh, given my practice to my partner pretty much. So I'm not really practicing law at the moment. Um, in terms of the situation in Ukraine, it's, it's a really dark moment in our history right now. Um, President Putin is just going out of his mind. Um, I think trying to conquer as much land as he can. Uh, there is a lot of pro-Putin propaganda going around. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of misinformation that's very dangerous right now. People are suffering. People are dying. Innocent men, women, and children. Um, I represent a large number of Uh, just stand by, everyone. We just got cut off. I think Ina's internet service is not so strong. Just give her a minute. Thank you. Please stand by. Uh, actually, in the meantime, 
Uh, we're continuing to record, so I will just say that um, Ina has actually been a participant at MGE for many years. Uh, she sat also on a panel on anti-Semitism a couple of years ago, and um, she's going through a very, very difficult time as she was just trying to explain herself being from Ukraine and also listening to a lot of the propaganda that's coming out of Russia right now, trying to sort of justify what Putin is doing uh, in the Ukraine. And she's handling a lot of families living in Brooklyn that are Ukrainian, her own included, that are trying to help their relatives and other Jews and non-Jews in the Ukraine deal with this real crisis in the situation over there. We're just trying to get her back on. Just please stand by for a minute. All right, um, I wasn't gonna put the whole interview on uh, Insta Instagram Live anyway, so this will be a little of a tease. Oh, wait, she's coming back. Okay, there we go. Just where you left off, can you hear me? Ina, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. All right, we're back? Yeah, we're back. Go for it. Just, just continue okay. where you left off, like nothing happened. You were just saying about your family, and you were saying about some of the propaganda that's coming out to justify what Putin is doing in the Ukraine. Yeah, so there are a lot of uh, Ukrainians who are suffering right now. They're hiding out in shelters. We've had um, constituents and people outside of my district reach out to me asking for help, um, asking if there's anything the Department of State and the, our government is doing to get people out. Uh, people are really scared. There are people in Kiev and territories that are being bombed right now who are literally scared to go outside. Um, they were encouraged by our government to basically try to come as close as possible to the nearest border where they can get out of afterwards. Um, there, are, there are some efforts to get them out um, but nothing right now from uh, areas like Kiev and Lvov um, where they're really being uh, bombed. So I'm trying, I'm working with Congresswoman Maliotakis to coordinate efforts and see what we can do um, to help people. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty intense right now. And I just feel horrible. My heart goes out to my constituents who have family in the Ukraine and to all Ukrainians right now. And how's the um, how's the Jewish community faring? How, how's the, how are the Jews of the Ukraine? There are something like two hundred thousand Jewish people living in the Ukraine. H how are they doing? Yeah, so I'm um, actually I still have uh, former classmates in Ukraine uh, and former neighbors of mine that I'm in touch with. One of my former classmates is the director of the Jewish community in Chernovitz. Um, it's the town where I was born and where I lived. Uh, it's in Western Ukraine. It's not being bombed right now, but they are very busy uh, resettling refugees from other cities. They have a lot of incoming refugees. Um, so they're very busy with that. They're coordinating with other communities. Um, and right now there is an effort by Rabbi Bleich, who is the chief rabbi of Ukraine, 
to get people out of Moldova. Mm-hmm. I just got information today that there were there was a charter plane from Moldova to Israel. Um, I'm getting more information, literally just as we speak, um, trying to see if people if, if there's an effort to somehow get people to Moldova so they can go to Israel. But like I said, a lot of them are afraid, and especially if they're men, um, they could easily get drafted. So if they come with their family, with their wives and children, if they're males, they they will get drafted. So, so are they being advised to stay, just to sort of to stay the course, or or actually to leave and to come to Israel? I mean, I think that's kind of up to them. Um, I think the options are there for them, and I'm communicating with some of my constituents who have family members in Kiev and other cities. Um, but I mean, it's really a risk that they, they would have to take at this point. Are you, uh, tell me, are you satisfied with what the United States is doing? I think the United States is looking incredibly weak on the world stage right now. I think we have a very weak president who could have done something to prevent this. I think that if sanctions were implemented a long time ago, we I believe the situation could have been prevented altogether. I don't think Putin would have attacked um, knowing we have a stronger president and stronger leadership. We have a very poor economy right now, political division, uh, inflation in the country. I think he sees that. He feels uh, the weakness of President Biden, and I think he felt comfortable enough uh, to do this. I think had we had stronger leadership at the helm, I don't, I don't think that Putin would have went ahead with this. And let me ask you a question. I read an, uh, an opinion piece by Michael Oren, who I have a great deal of respect for, and he was talking about Israel's stance, because Israel, of course, has sent humanitarian aid uh, to the Ukraine, uh, but has not forcefully condemned Putin. Now, he's arguing that He's got to think about the 800,000 Jews. Rabbi Wild, I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time hearing you. Oh, um, should I speak louder? Can you hear me now? We can try. Oh, God. I will speak louder. Okay, um, maybe scream. <laughs> I'm going to yell. I'm going to yell. I'm going to yell. Um, <clears throat> he was saying that because there are so many Jews in Russia, about 800,000 Jews in Russia, and another 200,000 Jews in the Ukraine, that Israel has to be careful about being too vocal against Putin, right? On the other hand, um, what Putin is doing is a crime against humanity. So how could Israel remain quiet? What, 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 do, you, what do you say, what, what should Israel, in your opinion, be doing? They're, they're obviously sending humanitarian aid, but what should they be doing politically? I think Israel has always been at the forefront of humanitarian aid to worldwide. Um, and obviously, of course, they're at the forefront again, with, with sending aid. I mean, I think that in terms of politics, I think that's up to Israel. I know that it's, it's they're really in a tough spot because I think they're one of the only countries that has a great relationship with both Russia and Ukraine. And I do think they have to be careful because they do have a large community of Jews who, have, who are living in Russia. And I think they're living in Russia pretty comfortably right now. And I have to say that the Jews who live in Ukraine have been living um pretty in a in a pretty safe environment they've they have synagogues it's it's a really big change since the former soviet union um i i know just by speaking to members of the jewish community in ukraine they're 
they felt very comfortable. They are practicing their religion uh, safely. They're not being persecuted. They're not being discriminated against. Um, right now in Ukraine, it is actually a crime. Anti-Semitism is a crime. The country has criminalized anti-Semitism. So I think they've gone a really long way since the 1940s, um, which I think is wonderful. Uh, but it's, I think it's, it, they're in a tough spot right now in terms of uh, how they, they do this politically. Yeah, and you think it could, I'll, can you hear me? You hear me okay? I, I heard every, we heard everything you said, it was perfect. I'll speak louder, but, so you agree with Michael Oren, you agree with Michael Oren that it could, it could um, be detrimental, it could be bad for the Jews of Russia or the Jews of Ukraine if they condemn Putin too much. You agree with that? I do. I think they have to be really careful about how they do this. Um, I don't really mean to bring President Trump into this, but I think that he was a pretty good example of how to deal with tyrants like Russia. I know a lot of people criticize him for being too cozy with Putin or being, you know, on his side. But I think that if you look at the facts, uh, we didn't have a single war while Trump was in office. Uh, you know, in 2014, we had the annexation of Crimea that was under President Biden. Nothing happened while Trump was in office. And then the second that President Biden took office, we had Afghanistan. We had a disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. And now we have something that could be become World War III. Um, so, and the way that Trump dealt with, uh, you know, people like President Putin or North Korea was very interesting because he was friendly with him, but at the same time, he was implementing tough sanctions against Russia. So I think he had a way uh, to deal with these tyrants mm -hmm. that might have looked like it was too friendly, but it it prevented us from from being part of a, you know, a, a worse situation. And, and t tell us a little about the the current president, uh, Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, his family, his history. It's really a fascinating thing. What do you think of his response to this crisis so far, the president of the Ukraine? I think that world leaders should look up to President Zelensky. I think his response is absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, the guy just put on a military uniform and is ready to fight. I know he was offered a way to escape, uh, to safety. He declined, um, you know, somebody who will not leave a sinking ship. Um, so I think he deserves so much credit. I think he's a hero right now. And uh, we should really, you know, look at him as an example of what leadership looks like. And do you think because of his Jewish descent, I, I'm, I, if, is, it, is it true his father is Jewish? His mother's not, but his father is Jewish. And he had like a grandfather who was fighting against the Nazis. I'm seeing all this stuff coming out. Is all of that? Yeah, true? I mean, I'm reading that. I'm reading a lot of different information. I'm hearing that um, his mother is actually Jewish. Oh. So, I mean, I don't know. You mm -hmm. know, back in the Soviet Union, it actually went by the father. So in the Soviet Union, if your father was Jewish, you were actually considered Jewish, but like halakhically. Um, uh, I know that in America, obviously, by according to Halakha, it's it's uh, it goes by the mother. Um, I don't know. He obviously is very connected to Judaism. I know he's uh, visited Chabad houses, synagogues. He went to the Western Wall to pray. I know he's in touch with a lot of rabbis in Ukraine right now. 
Um, and uh, look, I'm sure his Jewish roots have something to do with his uh, leadership. That's wonderful. So, so we, we do have a, a Jewish friendly, if not a Jewish uh, president there, because people are nervous that when things go wrong in that part of the world, the first people that are going to get blamed and get, God forbid, kicked around are going to be the Jews. So at least we, we seem to have that, that, uh, that light in, in, in this. Um, tell, tell us how we can, I know you have to go, I know you don't have a lot of time, but tell us the humanitarian crisis, what we can do. And also, if you can, just um, what needs to happen politically that also we can do? What needs to happen politically to, to, to stop Putin and, 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 or to force him to the negotiating table so that, so that, the, that the armed struggle can, can, can desist, desist? Sure. So first of all, there are a lot of efforts right now to send money to Ukraine. Um, on my website, we've actually on my Facebook page and on my uh, all over my social media, we've posted links where people can donate. Uh, that would be for medical supplies for arms. I mean, as you know, right now, there are a lot of people literally coming out to the streets, and they've been encouraged to do this by the president, and just using lots of cocktails, they're making them and they're using them uh, for self defense, because they don't have weapons. The president is literally giving out weapons uh, to anybody that w is willing to take them up to defend themselves. I mean, people are literally just regular civilians are coming out of their homes and doing everything they can to just def defend their homes, their houses. Um, so if people want to send money, I think that's a good way that we as just regular citizens can help. Um, look in terms of what should be done uh, i think they're, they're they start they're starting to do something they're uh freezing the assets of uh you know bank assets they're implementing sanctions like i said i wish it would have been done sooner um i think that we should send uh weapons i think that in terms of money we should supply them with whatever they need to fight this war um, and I think other countries should join and you see the world responding. You see the world kind of BDSing them, if you, if you will. Um, so that's really good to see freezing out their assets, you know, um, closing out their capabilities to send money, um, you know, dealing with the banks. And, um, I think it's a good response that we see from the world right now. Um, I think Putin did not expect such a response from Ukrainians. Um, I think he genuinely thought that, you know, some people will feel that, you know, Ukraine is a part of Russia and we want to be under a different government, but they don't. They don't want a puppet government installed. They want democracy. They want freedom. Uh, they want to be independent. They love their home. They love their country. And they're obviously willing to do everything they can to defend themselves. OK, so you're suggesting we donate money. And by the way, I just want to everyone who's listening to this on Instagram and on Facebook and my podcast, The Wildscast. Uh, we also posted something. The UJA has taken up a collection and working with thousands of volunteers in the Ukraine. So we're collecting money for them as well. Um, but in terms of what should we push the United States government to do, freezing assets, sanctions on Putin, tell us, you know, what is Putin's end goal? What is he looking to do ultimately? If he has his way, he'll end up with what? I mean, I, I don't mean next week or next month. I mean, in two years from now. What, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear well. What is Putin's end goal, is that your question? No. Yeah, what is Putin's okay. end goal? What is he hoping for? What is his 
hoped for outcome down the road. So I'm not in his crazy mind, but um, it's my opinion that his end goal is to create the Soviet Union. I think he wants power. I think his, uh, you know, he he says that he was afraid uh, he had Russia had legitimate security concerns that Ukraine was going to join NATO. They were going to attack. There was all this propaganda going around about you know, Ukraine bombing the kindergarten and Ukraine attacking Donetsk. And and it, it's just, I don't believe any of that. I think it's complete propaganda. I don't think that Russia has any legitimate security concerns, especially when it comes to Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is not even on the on the list of top, you know, countries who have the strongest military. Um, it's Russia, it's China, it's the United States, it's not Ukraine. Um, and they weren't planning to attack anybody. They just want to live freely and independently and in peace. Um, and so I think that this is kind of an excuse. I think he wants to take over. I think he wants that entire area to be part of Russia. Mm -hmm. I think he wants to install his own government there and the people don't want that. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's really, that's important for people to hear because if more people hear that what he's ultimately trying to do is recreate the former Soviet Union, and he's just trying to expand for the sake of power, then obviously the United States and every other Western country needs to put heavy sanctions and freeze his assets and do what we should have been doing all along. Ina, thank you so much for uh, for joining. I'm sorry you couldn't hear so well. I was just reiterating what you just said to our listeners. Um, Hashem should bless you with continued success. You should continue to help all of the uh, American Ukrainians that are here, our Jewish brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, please keep telling us what you think we should do. We trust you. We like to listen to what you have to say. We know you have the best interests of the Jewish people and the constituents that you serve in Brooklyn as a councilwoman. And uh, it's really an honor and a, and a zuchut to know you, a merit to know you, to continue to come to MGE. This is your community too. Um, and uh, you should go from strength to strength Please continue to inform us about what we should do. And I thank you for this. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Wilds Cast. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store. It only takes a minute, and when you do it, it helps others discover the show. Music from today's episode comes courtesy of Yosef Wilds. For more information about the Manhattan Jewish Experience, please visit our website at jewishexperience.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us.